Let's get into God's Word today. In just a few minutes, I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. The, the New Testament gives us three descriptive terms that help us understand more of God's plans for our life with Him. The first week of this series, we talked about the family of God. The family of God is really about two things. It's relationship, relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, and with brothers and sisters. And it's also about identity. We now carry eternally the identity, the name of our Heavenly Father because we are His children adopted into His family. Last week, in the second week of this series, we talked about the term the church. The church is all about purpose. The church is God's family business fulfilling the great commission. This is us, the family of God and the church. But today we're going to look at the next phrase, the third term, if you will. It is the body of Christ, the body of Christ. Now, the church is a different kind of term because you don't hear the church anywhere in society except usually as it applies to buildings, church buildings, Christian church buildings. The family of God is fairly common. People get that. But the body of Christ, what does it mean to be the body of Christ? Let, let me lay out the introduction for this today. You know, last week as we taught about the church being God's family business, every business has a purpose. Okay, you say, well, the bottom line is to make money. Yes, but it provides services. It provides something to its consumers. So every business has a purpose, and the church is all about purpose. Every business has personnel or employees, as we would call them. And each employee has a role or a function in that business. And personnel are hired for a distinct function which makes them individually important. See, you're important at work because you're doing something that's bringing profit to the business. If you're not doing something that's bringing profit to the business, helping the business grow, helping the business provide and supply, then usually your position or you will be terminated okay as one guy that used to be on tv would say you're fired how many remember that guy but you know the, the ceo the manager or the managers of the company determine the roles and the personnel within the company and it's based on the purpose the welfare of the business in the same manner, in, in a family business, each family member has a role and a function in that family business. You've got to be productive doing some things. So let me ask a question today, a couple of questions. First question, in a family business, who would determine the roles, the positions, and the function of the family members? Probably the head of the family, whoever's running the business. Second question, how would he or she determine the roles and the functions within that business? Well, it would probably be on the basis of people's giftings and their abilities, which would produce their calling. In other words, you would ask them 
to fill this particular position in the business because they have the giftings and the abilities to do that particular task well. Now, why are these questions important? When I bring these questions up about giftings and positions in the family business and who places us, why is this important? Well, the reason being, it brings us personally to two really important questions that we need to ask ourselves. First question is, what has God asked me to do in his family business? Second question, what am I doing in the family business? As we're going to study today, no one in God's family is insignificant. Unless we choose to be insignificant. It's good today. It's going to be good. Let me share three main thoughts. Number one, let's take a minute and let's understand the scriptural basis for this thing called the body of Christ. Because we talked about the family of God and the church. Now, what's the significance of the body of Christ? The term body of Christ refers to function. It refers to you and me doing the family business. Not just believing in the family, believing there is a family. Not just believing there is a church, there is a family business. But when we say we are a part of the body of Christ, it assigns to us a function, a place of doing our part in the family business. So here's here's the kind of the theological foundation for where I'm going today. When Jesus finished his earthly work, what did he do? Acts 1, he ascended back to the Father. Most of you know the story well, but here's what happened. Jesus goes out with his disciples. He gives them their last instructions. They're standing there looking at him, listening to him, asking questions. He's answering questions. And all of a sudden, when he finishes, he just goes up. He's gone. He just vanishes. He ascends up in the clouds to heaven. The next thing that we see in Scripture is in Acts chapter 2, a few days later, the day of Pentecost comes and God sends the Holy Spirit upon his family, upon his church, upon the family business. And when that happens, the church is established and empowered to continue the ministry of Jesus. We talked about this last week. The purpose of the church is to continue the family business, to finish what Jesus started. So when that happened, the church now had and still has the calling and the empowerment to do ministry as Jesus did ministry. Now, what kind of things did Jesus do in ministry? He did all kinds of things. You can't limit it to one thing or two things. Jesus did all kinds of things in ministry. John the Apostle wrote and said, if all the things that Jesus did had been recorded, that the world couldn't even hold the books. Now that's a lot to think about. Jesus did all kinds of ministry. But when he ascended back to the Father, he sent the Spirit upon each of us so that we could each find a place in the body of Christ and do ministry as Jesus did it. And not all of us are going to do everything that Jesus did, but all of us need to be a part 
of doing something in the church, God's family business. And when we start doing something, we begin to function as the body of Christ. And after the ascension and after the day of Pentecost, the church was born and we became the body of Christ. We became the body of Christ. We took Jesus' place of ministry in the earth. Which brings us to this point. Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. But we are his body on earth. How many of you know when Jesus left, his body went with him? Is, is that deep? Is that heavy for anybody here today? Pretty simple. You know, these guys stood there gazing into heaven. Wow. Wow. And all of a sudden these Probably angels stand beside them saying, you men of Galilee, why are you standing gazing into the heaven? You got instructions, go do, go function, do what you were told to do. Everybody smile at me this morning. Okay, this is the scriptural foundation for the body of Christ. So being the body of Christ creates a place for each of us that encourages us to learn our giftings, find our place, and fulfill our function in God's family business. That's the foundation for it. We are the body of Christ. This is us. Turn to somebody and say, this is us. Turn to somebody and say, like it or not, this is us. <laughs> See, some of us get overwhelmed with that. because, and I'll, and I'll show you why in just a moment. But there's no reason to be overwhelmed with that. The second part of the message. Scripture gives us the example of a human body... To illustrate our individual importance to the family business. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I love what Paul said. Paul wrote it. He said, you are the body of Christ. Now, remember, this is the Apostle Paul. This is one of the most important men in the first generation of the newborn church. He's the one that's going to take the message to the Gentile world, those who are not the Jewish people. He's the one that wrote most of the New Testament. And what did he say? He didn't say, I am the body of Christ. He said, you. Let me take a minute to do this. You. Okay, it'll take me several minutes, so I won't do it all. I'll just do it in one big swoop form, okay? You are the body of Christ. Now, if I reverse that, what do you say to that? You say, I, we are the body of Christ. This is us. Now, look at Romans 12. If you've got your Bible there, if you don't have it, we'll have the verses on the screen. Romans 12, we're going to start in verse 3. We're going to break it in two sections. Verse 3, Paul writes this. For I say... Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly. Think sincerely, honestly, clearly. Don't just have these big dreams and, well, someday I'm going to do this and someday I'm going to do that. He said, no, be honest and sincere about this. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. See, when God puts something in our lives, he gives us faith to operate in that gifting. Go to the next verse, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, 
So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, look at the human body. I have hands that have fingers. I have feet that have toes. They've got some similarities. But can you imagine having to try to pick things up and do things only with your toes? Can you imagine trying to pick things up with no fingers and toes? No arms, no legs. See, the point I want to make today is every part of the body is different because it has a different function. But every one of those pieces, parts of the body, is important. I mean, you can chop off your hands and throw them in a ditch. And those hands will be forgotten about. But it will change the way your body functions. Paul's writing this to us because he wants us to understand some things. One of those things is God has a unique personal call and function for each one of our lives. God has a call on your life. Did you know that? God has a function for you within the body of Christ doing ministry, ministering to people. Another thing we find here is we're all called into the family business. Let me say that again. We are all called into the family business. Paul said, now you are the body of Christ. We're all called into the family business, but we do not all have the same function. Each one of us is unique. One of the things I love about a church as it grows and becomes larger is it becomes more unique. Now, little churches, sometimes, not always, but sometimes... Little churches don't like unique. They like everybody to be just alike. Look alike, smell alike, dress alike, uh, so on and so forth. You know, our, our worship team. You see all kinds of people in our worship team. I love it. I love it. Some people say, well, I don't like that guy wearing a beanie. <laughs> Get over yourself. He's unique. He's unique. That's right. Give Jeff a hand. He's doing an outstanding job. I love this guy. And I don't like the way some of those people jump around. It's just not authentic. It's not real. Yes, it is. It's coming from here. You know, Jesus said, you know, about the woman that poured oil all over him and everybody's griping about it. He said, you know, maybe she loves God a little more than you do. See, we need to be unique. I love uniqueness. And in some churches, if you're not like everybody else, you're called weird. You're not called weird here. You're called unique. We're all unique, each one of us. And our, listen to this, our uniqueness makes us important to God and to each other. God made you the way you are. The giftings you have, and I'm not talking about the weird things you learned from mom and dad in society and the weird choices you made. But the giftings you have and the way that you're wired, God made you that way. He made you unique. You're important to God, but we also become important to each other because of our uniqueness. And then another thing you see here is, just as the human body has a variety of unique parts which have unique functions, so it is with the body of Christ. We're not all supposed to be just alike, doing exactly the same thing. <clears throat> now let me give you something to think about. Our Heavenly Father will not allow any of us to be unimportant or without value to Him or to each other. 
Did you get that? I, I might ought to just stop right here and just pray over this and leave it right here. But I want this to sink in. God will not allow you to be unvaluable. God will not allow you to be unimportant. This is why when I preach these kind of messages and teach this stuff from Scripture, some people, their hearts stir and it's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. God's trying to tell you, you cannot be unimportant because I put stuff in you that other people need. God won't let us be unimportant. And you know, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 says this, every joint, every ligament, every part of the body supplies something. Every part of the body supplies something. Every part does its share. It has a function to help build up the body and make the body strong as we stand together as God's family in love. So our individual function... Boy, my notes just disappeared. Somebody said, oh, great, we can pray and go home. Not yet. Our individual function creates meaning importance and value this morning when you came to church and as you're here today before you leave you're going to see all kinds of different functions all over our campus you're going to see important people doing important things it might have been in the parking lot Ann and I got here extra early this morning. I won't tell you why. But we got here. Well, yeah, I will tell you why. We had a power outage at our house, our whole street. It's the fourth time this week. Anybody here work for Edison? <laughs> I called Edison, and I tried for 15 minutes this morning to get through, and it just went, yeah, push this button. Now push this number. And, and I could not get through, and I realized they don't want to talk to me. You know, when you have a monopoly, you don't care what the customers think. You know? How many of you say, oh, you're ranting now? Yes, I am, okay? But anyway, it's fourth time this week. At least we've had power outages. You have to reset all the clocks, reset the thermostats, all this. Four times in a week. And so we had to come to church early to finish getting ready here at church. But I got here early this morning, and there are people out in the parking lot getting things set up. You have no idea how important those people are to the work of God. You Give them a hand. You, you walk through these doors today and somebody probably waved at you or said hi or welcome or something. Those people are important to the work of God. When you checked your kids in, somebody helped you get those kids checked in. They're important to the work of God. Some of you, for the first time in the week, are saying, finally got those kids out of my hair for a little while. Let me tell you something. We don't do babysitting service here. We're ministering to children. There are people over there pouring Jesus into your children's lives while you're in here enjoying presence with the presence of God. They're important. They're important to the ministry here. They're important to God. I could go on and on and on. You know, the, the human body cannot function at 100% capacity unless each member is in place and functioning. The same is true of the body of Christ. I cannot even begin to imagine how many people we could reach, how much money we could raise to touch the world for Jesus if every believer who calls this church home got involved somewhere. We change our community. 
We'd impact our state. We would change our nation. We would definitely impact our world because we've all got a function. Remember these two personal questions I had you ask earlier? What has God asked me to do in the family business? And what am I doing in the family business? Last of all today, the third thing. So let's talk about this. What, what about me? Where, where do I belong? What do I do? <clears throat> we read Romans 12. We got down through verse 5. Pick it up at verse 6. Paul says, having then gifts differing. We have different gifts. Having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, ministry means serving. I'll get to that in a minute. In serving, let us use it in our serving. He who teaches, let him teach. He who exhorts or encourages, let him encourage. He who gives, some people have a special gift of giving. Just do it liberally. He who leads, he who's involved in leadership and in organization, you have those gifts, do it diligently. And if your gift is showing mercy to people who are hurting, don't get weary and worn down by people's problems. Do it cheerfully as unto the Lord and then let God work. Now, the one thing that I see in all of this that stands out to me, in the first verse that we read there, verse number six, Paul says, remember, he said, you're the body of Christ. Now, here's what he says. We each have different gifts. Use them. We're the body of Christ. Use your gifts. We're the body of Christ. You need to be functioning somewhere in the framework of God's church. You need to be involved. Now, let me walk through this list, and I'm going to do this really quickly today. Some people, the Spirit is on you to share valuable words with people. Scripture calls it prophecy. If you go back and study it, it's not just speaking God's word. Sometimes it's speaking God's message for the moment to people. God chooses some people and gives them a gift to do that. And so what does he say about it? If God gives you something to share with somebody, can I tell you something? If God gives you a word for somebody, it's probably going to be an encouraging, uplifting word. Talk to that person and encourage them with what God's given you. But do it according to the faith God's given you. Don't make stuff up. Don't get out in left field. Don't be goofy and try to go King James on people and these and thous and so on. Just tell them what, God, what you feel God's spoken. Just do that. Share that with people because you're valuable. What about those that you say, well, you know, I don't really, don't really have a gift that I can see, but, but I, I can serve and I really, I, I want to serve somewhere. Well, Paul said, then get in there and serve. Get in there and serve. You know what church growth statistics have told us for years? Within five minutes from the time people walk through the doors of a church, within five minutes they've made up their mind whether they're coming back or not. So before somebody as young and handsome as me gets up here, they're already determined. I'm not coming back. Or I am coming back. I like this. Why? Why? Because it's because of the atmosphere that we create. 
It's because we let people know, you're welcome, we're glad you're here. We're going to honor God in this place. When we start honoring God, God's presence shows up. There are a lot of people in our church, new people, newer people who've come the last few years. And when you ask them, what brought you here? Well, somebody invited me, I walked through the doors, and when church started, I felt the presence of God, and I knew this was home. I can't tell you how important our worship team is to what God's doing here. You know how many people we touch weekly through community care? People are serving. And what Paul said was, look, if serving is your thing, just just find a team that you like, a team you fit in. Get in there and start serving. If that's your calling, then do it. Do it. And some people say, well, you know, God's really given me a teaching gift. Then find the group that fits you, men's ministry, women's ministry, home groups, connect groups, whatever Find that area of ministry and get involved. There'll be opportunities for you there. And then he, he mentions giving. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this, but I've got to say one or two things here. Number one, all of us are called to give to God. Boy, it's quiet in here. Let's take up an offering. It's time to take up an offering. See, us old guys can say that. Zach wouldn't say that, but I'm old guys, so I can say I'm, well, let me rephrase that. I'm midlife, so I can say that. But here's, here's the point. All of us are called to give, but some people have a gift of giving. And some of you have a gift of giving on your life, and you're young in the Lord, and you're trying to sort this out. Well, what does this mean? And then some of you are saying, well, someday God's going to make me really wealthy, and then I'm going to give. You know what? If you've got a gift of giving, the secret to growing that gift is to start giving. He says, don't say, well, someday. He says, get involved now in giving and let God bless that. Because some of us have to help finance the bigger things in the church. And then he talks about leadership. You can call it government. You can call it structuring. You can call it organizing. There are a lot of facets of it. But he said, if that's your gift, then get involved in the team. Get involved in the ministry. And your gift will come to the top and God will put you where you need to be. Get involved. And last of all, he said, and some of you think, well, I don't really know if I fit anywhere else here, but you know what? I just got a lot of mercy for hurting people. Then encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage people. Show mercy. Do things for people when they need mercy. And do it cheerfully because that's your gifting. And you know, sometimes we look around the church and we look around the family of God and we say, well, what is the most important part of the body. Well, well, look at the human body. What's the most important part of the human body? It's the part whose function you need right now. If you drop something on the floor, you need several parts of your body. The older you get, the harder it is to get there. But you need several parts of your body to work together to pick that up. If you want to kick a football, you're going to need a good foot. And you're going to need a good leg. You're going to need good balance. On and on and on it goes. The most important part of the body is the one you need right now. And see, people go to church and say, well, the pastor, he's the most important. Or the staff, they're the most important. Let me tell you something. The most important part of the church is the one that people who are walking on this campus need to run into right now. That's the most important part of the body. Which means there are moments with every week that passes where you are the most important part of the church. But you need to function.
When I was a kid, 12 years old, I just turned 12, there was a guy in my home church. I'll tell you his name. I, I don't usually use names because legally you're supposed to have people's permission to use their names or they can sue you. Did you know that? That's yes, right. They, they can sue you for a percentage of your what the church is bringing in. It, I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. So I don't usually use names, but I use this guy's name because he's dead now and he won't sue us. <laughs> his kids might, though. I know his kids. There was a guy in my home church. He was, he was one of the deacons, one of the spiritual leaders in the church. But this guy loved teenagers. He loved kids. He loved teenagers. Sunday mornings, we had children's church, and I'd be sitting in children's church. And, you know, boys can be ornery, even in children's church. I mean, I know it's hard to imagine, but even me, when, when I was in children's church, you know, I, I wasn't always an angel. I had some ornery moments. When I got a little older in children's church, I, you know, when you first go in children's church, you make you sit up front. When you get older, you can sit in the back. So I'd sit in the back, and every Sunday, almost every Sunday, I'd be sitting there being ornery or thinking about being ornery, listening to somebody talk, the kids below my level, and I'd be bored. And all of a sudden, Andy Cumpy would walk up behind me and flip my ear. He had big fingers, and I have big ears. You, you know, my, wife, my wife's always telling me, well, your ears aren't that big. My ears were this big when I was three years old. They've always been this big. That's the, I'm, I'm still growing into them. But Andy Cumby walked and flipped my ear. Ah, it would hurt like crazy. But this guy, he loved kids and he loved youth especially. And every year during the summer, he'd get a bunch of kids together. He'd invite everybody that wanted to come. He'd take the church bus because he was one of the church bus drivers. He'd take the church bus and take us to a ball game. 12 years old, September 19... Well, I won't tell you when because that'll tell you my age. But <laughs> September, back in the 1900s, one year, we, we went to the Dodgers game. We're sitting in the right center field pavilion. And this guy was so nice, he was the only adult. He took all these teenagers and preteens to the Dodgers game. What a herd. That night, Sandy Koufax pitched a perfect game. I got to see history. I mean, I, that'll be with me as long as I live because of Andy Cumpy. And see, for a 12-year-old kid, that was bigger than anything he could have done at church for me. Stay with me. But I watched that same man all throughout my teenage years and my young adult years. Every Thursday night, he was barbecuing hamburgers and hot dogs for 100 teenagers who would show up to hang out and play basketball and volleyball and just, just be together. We had a great youth group when I was a teenager because of people like Andy Cumpy, and he touched hundreds and thousands of lives. But yet if you were to ask him what his giftings were, he would have told you, I don't have any gifts. Yes, he did. He just found places of need where his heart was, and he got plugged in and started functioning. Why do we feel un unimportant? Why do we feel insignificant? within the body of Christ, within the church, within the family. It's generally because we're not connected anywhere. For the need to be of any value, it has to be connected to the lower leg and the upper leg. And if it's not connected, these parts of the body suffer 
and it's unimportant and it has no value in the body. But when it's connected, that knee can help my legs take me pretty much any place I want to go. That's your value to the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. When we get connected, what happens? We give and we receive. We're giving to those around us and then it positions us to receive from other people who have different gifts, but they provide things that we need. Some of us run around always lacking, always in need. Why? Because we're not connected with those who can help us. We are the body of Christ. Two closing questions. What does the body of Christ offer me? I can go on and on and on for several minutes. I've talked about a little bit of it today. What does the body of Christ offer you? Second question. What does the body of Christ require of me? Participation. Get connected and start functioning. I want to pray for you today. I ask you to bow your heads. Father, we are your family. We are your church, but we're also the body of Christ. We're here to do ministry, not, not just the pastor. Not just the worship team, not just those involved in children and youth and different areas. We're all called to be doing something in the body. So, Father, I pray right now that the questions we've been asking this morning, what am I called to do? What is God asking of me? What did God create me for? Help us to find that place and get connected and start functioning. Even if it starts with little steps, they will grow as we follow you. Father, help us, help us, help us, help us to have a heart to not just believe in the family and believe in the church and believe in the body, but help us to have a heart to say, this is us, this is me. I will be the body of Christ to a world that needs Jesus. Burn this into our hearts, encourage us, help us find our place and our function in Jesus' name. Heads are still bowed. Just a moment. You might be here today and you might be wondering, well, you know, I'm, I'm not even in the family. I don't know God. But yet my heart's pulled. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to be a part of something eternal. I want to know God. But how do I know God? The Bible tells us that God loved you so much. He put his own son on a cross to pay for your sins, to remove that which had separated you from him and to give you an opportunity to come to him. Maybe right now, the spirit of God is knocking on the door of your heart and you're feeling drawn. You're, you're realizing, man, I, I, need, I need to say yes to this. Friend, I don't want to give you religion, but I'd love to lead you into a relationship with God that brings function and fulfillment and purpose and importance to your life. I'd love, you to, I'd love to introduce you to a God who's going to be with you forever throughout eternity. But he needs you to say, yes, I'm in. So what a prayer prayer. It all begins with us saying, yes, Lord, I need you. I want you in my life. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the building, those of you watching online and listening later, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Just pray this prayer right out loud. Say, God, I need you. I want you in my life. So I surrender everything to you. I lay my life at your feet. 
I accept Christ as my Savior. I choose Him to become the Lord of my life. I want to be your child. I want to follow you. From this day forward, you will be my father. I'll be your child. I will know you. I will learn your ways. And I will be with you forever. Thank you for calling me and receiving me. I trust you completely. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer you can really pray in your entire life. But it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. We want to help you get connected in the family of God, in the church, in the body of Christ. We want to help you grow and understand who you are, what you are in Christ. And we want to give you a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It will simply help you start building your relationship with God. So when service is over, we'll have some prayer teams on each side of the building toward the front. Just come up to one of those teams and say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right now. If you want prayer for something else, see one of their prayer teams after service. But if you're in a big rush today, as you leave the building, you exit the glass doors in the lobby right in the middle. There's a counter set up there. You can stop there and get this same booklet there. Please let us give this to you today. If you're watching online, you can get an electronic file of this, of this booklet. Just respond to the instructions on the screen. We will get it to you. Hey, we're so glad that you have a heart to be a part of the family of God. We welcome you today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers to God's family? God bless you. Awesome. Can we give Pastor Gary a hand for that great message this morning? Uh, at this time in our service, we're going to worship God with our giving. And you'll see on the screens different ways that you can give, ways you can give digitally, online. If you would like to give in person today, there are offering envelopes on the chair backs, and there are giving stations located on the sidewalls just before you exit the auditorium. But you know, as we prepare to give today, I want to share with you that this week, Gary and I had the opportunity to spend some time with one of our missions partners, Keith and Heidi Hershey of Mutual Faith Ministries. And it was just so encouraging to hear what they are just continuing to do to impact people's lives across the globe, even over these last two years with COVID and all the restrictions. They have not shrunk back at all. They have only expanded their missions efforts in helping people. They're doing so much in Beirut, Lebanon, in Costa Rica, in the Philippines, in Africa, so many other places. And even over these last two years, they've built more churches. They're building facilities for children, uh, facilities and shelters for women, so many things. They're ministering to so many Muslims and Syrian refugees. It's just amazing how many people they're seeing come to the Lord through the ministry. And it happens because of local churches like us who partner with them with regular giving. And so as we prepare to give today, I just want to remind you that your giving is making a difference in people's lives across the globe. Thank you so much for your giving. And you know what? Our giving is so significant and powerful. Because as we give, we are helping fulfill our purpose as the body of Christ. 
And not just that, we're impacting the body of Christ across the globe. It's so exciting, and we're also bringing people into the body of Christ through our giving. So thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. All right. Now, before we conclude our service, just a few things that we want to remind you of. First of all, you saw the little video teaser earlier in our service for our Bridge Women Night. I just want to extend to all of you ladies, all of you ladies watching online, just a personal invitation to join us Friday night, February 4th. It's going to be an awesome night. You are going to hear from a few different ladies some miraculous things that God has done in their lives. You are going to be encouraged with what God wants to do in your life. And I believe that as we are still at the onset of 2022, this is going to be a strategic night where God is going to set us up to be positioned for the things he wants to do in our lives in this year. So I just encourage you to come, bring your friends, bring your youth age daughters. It's going to be great. Doors open at six o'clock for shopping with local vendors and worship starts at seven and afterwards dessert vendors will be joining us. So it's going to be a great night. We have not just childcare, but a great program planned for your little ones, infants through fifth grade. But we do need you to register them so we can be properly staffed for them, okay? So you can register your kids online on the website or through the app, all right? Hope to see you there. And then don't forget... If you are interested in hosting a connect group, maybe you've never done that before and there's just been this little desire on the inside to maybe step out and do that, we want to invite you to a new connect group leader information meeting on Sunday, February 6th. It's happening at 9.30 during first service. All right, you just need to sign up and you can do that through our church app. And lastly, we cannot wait to worship and pray with you next Sunday. It's going to be an awesome day. One service, 10 a.m. You don't want to miss it. And then remember that we will be having our Sunday fun day afterwards with food vendors. So come, plan to hang out, have lunch. All kinds of fun things will be happening outside for the kids. Bring your lawn chairs and let's just hang out and get to know our family even better. All right. Have a great week.